You're listening to Argy's Poetry Pickle Jar. Hello and welcome to Argy's Poetry Pickle Jar, the poetry podcast designed to pick a pinhole in your favourite poem so you can look inside and realise whether you like it or love it. My name is RG, aka The Leaner, aka the guy you've probably never heard of, but thankfully that's not important because this poetry podcast isn't about me, it's about poems. And each week we call a world-dominating poet to share their favourite poem. We ask them to tell us why they love it, uh, why they chose it, and what is so inspirational about that particular poem. On today's Poetry Pickle Jar, we are joined by someone I'm a massive fan of. Uh, I'm a fan partly because he has a wonderful book out on Nine Arches called Little Kings, but also because he runs amazing workshops, uh, one of which helped me write two poems that ended up in my last pamphlet. Uh, it is Peter Khan. He's founding member of Malika's Kitchen and co-founder of the Teenage London Poetry Slam. Uh, he's a high school teacher and a uni lecturer and has taught spoken word educators, including Keith Jarrett, Raymond Adjuris, and then Kat Brogan. Welcome, Peter, from America. Hello. Uh, tell us a bit about how it's going in the States for you. Um, well, regard. given what's going on between COVID and our presidential election, uh, it's been rather crazy. Um, but we're all hanging in there and we're hoping for better things come January 20th. Are you, see, are you seeing many poets like responding to what's happening or you is it too early? Do, or? I don't do social media, so mm. I wouldn't necessarily be aware of that. Um, I know that my students uh, are quite relieved, um, and but we're all a bit anxious as well. Yeah. So we did a prompt uh, inspired by a Kaba Akbar poem uh, called The Palace or sections of this poem about America and what we want America to be. And it's yielded some amazing writing from our younger students. So that's that's been a cool kind of response to what's happening. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. I mean, it's quite hard sometimes when you're within it to write about it, even with COVID. There's been like millions of COVID poems, but very few like uncover, not the specificity of COVID, but the feelings um, attached to it. I don't know whether that's because you need a distance of time or whether it's just harder to write about things when you're deep within it. Um, also, you know, Ted Kuzer wrote about the Stephen Dunn poem, I believe, um, where it's about the, with 9-11, it's about specificity, zooming in on those unusual moments. And then the universality comes from that, as opposed to, I think people, when we write about COVID or these other things, we write broad strokes and those poems blend together. But when it, you zoom in on the specific, that's when they stand out more. Yeah, for sure. And that's quite a good segue into the poem that you chose. Yes. Um, it's exciting to get this poem because um, it's the first time Terence Hayes is, is gonna be showcased on this. Um, tell us a bit, well, maybe read the poem first, then we'll hear about why you chose it, etc. Sure. So it's called Cart Poem. It's from Terence Hayes's, I think it's his fourth or fifth book, Lighthead, that won the National Book Award in 2010 from Penguin Poets. Um, 
So, and it's in couplets, it's carp poem. After I have parked below the spray paint caked in the granite grooves of the Frederick Douglass Middle School sign, where men-sized children loiter like shadows draped in outsized denim, jerseys, braids, and boots that mean I am no longer young. After I have made my way to the New Orleans Parish Jail down the block, where the black prison guard wearing the same weariness my prison guard father wears buzzes me in. I follow his pistol and shield along each corridor, trying not to look at the black men boxed and bunked around me until I reach the tiny classroom where two dozen black boys are dressed in jumpsuits orange as the carp I saw in a pond once in Japan. So many fat snaggletooth fish ganged in and lurching for food that a lightweight tourist could have crossed the water on their backs as long as he had tiny rice balls or bread to drop into the mouths below his footsteps, which I'm thinking is how Jesus must have walked on the lake that day. The crackers and crumbs falling from the folds of his robe and how maybe it was the one fish so hungry it leaped up his sleeve that he later miraculously changed into a narrow loaf of bread, something that could stick to a believer's ribs. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm a believer too, in the power of food at least, having seen a footbridge of carp packed gill to gill, packed tighter than a room of boy prisoners waiting to talk poetry with a young black poet, packed so close they'd have eaten each other had there been nothing else to eat. Yes amazing amazing poem and so different to the other ones we've had um it's amazing to get a poem by terence hayes because he's like he's sort of one poetry he's like seven poetry collections deep this one's from lighthead which apparently won the national book award in 2010 i haven't got this book actually uh, um, got i gotta get it yeah um tell us a bit about why you chose this one well, I love this book, first of all. The, the original Golden Shovel poem is in this. Oh, right. So that led to the entire, you know, Golden Shovel anthology as well. And when I was last in living and teaching in London in 2013, uh, when the spoken word educators were at Holy Family School, uh, secondary school in Walthamstow, we were asked to teach for GCSE, like year 10 and 11, maybe unseen poets. And I chose this as one of the poems. And those students who the teachers felt like weren't really engaged with poetry, it was like a graduate school seminar. And they were noticing stuff and pointing out stuff to us where we were taking notes, right? Amazing. It, was really, it was amazing, it was so inspirational. Why, and, do, you, why do you think that was? Uh, maybe, as you said, you haven't had a poem like this on your show. Maybe they hadn't been exposed to poetry like yeah. this. Yeah. You know, they, they were uh, largely students of color, and I think they could relate to things in here as well. Mm -hmm. And institutional racism that they had experienced, that's, that's referenced here and alluded to here. Um, so Terrence Hayes is a, a generous genius, right? He's one of the most generous people I know and one of the most intelligent people I know. I mean, he won a MacArthur Genius Award for a reason. Yeah. And 
he's always pushing bounds. And one of the reasons I love this poem as it is it traverses time and space. And I think he does a beautiful job of that. Uh, Tim Siebels is another poet I love who does that. Ada Lamone does a nice job of that. That's something I try to do and I'm inspired to do in some of my poetry as well. So one of the things when we talked about this with students is you look at how you're, you're grounded in this space in New Orleans and it starts out in a middle school that's been defaced. And the name of the middle school is Frederick Douglass, right? This great historical black figure who was so, you know, education was so important to him, right? Um, yeah. And then you go into a, a jail in New Orleans um, and the narrator is talking about going into this jail and he's reminded of his, of his father. And then before you know it, we're traversing time and place and we're, we're going back in time to when the narrator was in Japan. Yeah, that, and that, that, that jump is an amazing jump in the same line as jumpsuits, oranges, the pond, and immediately we're taken away. Something that um, strikes poetry as different as in a novel where you can just take journeys from one place to another like a teleport machine. And that's amazing. When you're, you're in Japan and then you have this extended metaphor is going on, right? Because they are he's referencing, he starts out as the jump shoots, suits as being orange, which reminds him of these carp, these koi fish in Japan. And, you know, when you investigate koi fish, um, they're, they're quite regal. Um, and they represent good luck and perseverance through adversity, right? And when you read Terence Hayes, you know, as with most good poets, uh, every word choice and every symbol is purposeful. So, you know, th there's a reason he chose carp fish in Japan, right? Yeah. So that's, that's painting these prisoners in a different light. That he's giving them respect that they're not receiving through this institutionalized racist system, right? Yeah. And then we go back in time to Jesus. Yeah. And now we're talking about miracles. And then we return to the, the jail. And here's the miracle of these, these young boy prisoners who are ecstatic to be able to be taught by a young black poet. Um, and there's the miracle of knowledge and the miracle of poetry. And, and we're left with something quite hopeful, even though the circumstances are quite bleak. Um, so I, I think it's it's just remarkable how he's able to pull that off to traverse time and space in that way without confusing the reader. You know, again, yeah, I'm doing yeah, so. students and, and they're following along and they're again pointing out, one of the things students pointed out is that this is one sentence. This entire poem is a single sentence. There's That's only wild, one yeah. Stop at the very end. There are commas, there are colons and semicolons, but there's only a single period, full stop in this poem. I think also he comes in from quite a, it's like almost like a colloquial tone in a way that runs through it, really set up in those opening. Because if he went to Japan too early or went to the Jesus um, analogy too early, would have lost us. But he's really settled us into this journey. Come with me, like taking someone by the hand and saying, come with me past here, past here, past here. And then by the time you've put trust in uh, the poet, then it's time for him to really take a leap of faith. And he's done that so, so well in this. It takes a lot of skill as well, like linguistically to put it together, because like you said, every word counts. I didn't think of the fish in that way as a symbol of luck.
but now when you mention it and i suppose good poems like this they keep on giving within this poem just one other thing like the word choices like snaggle tooth um crackers and crumbs you know the, the he terence is really into to sound um is important to him and there, there's great sound and when i read this aloud i see also how he's pacing it with his line breaks um it, it's just really brilliant and again young people just gravitated to this poem and i wish i had recorded those conversations with those year 10 and 11 because it really was as if we were in graduate school and they were teaching my poets and me about this poem was that in this was that in england or in america yeah holy family in walthamstow oh wow and it's amazing how universal that message can be so thanks so much uh peter for coming on board and also for sharing that piece such a blessing so thankful thank you you're welcome and everybody should be exploring terence hayes for sure that's brilliant and you can also uh, explore peter khan's book uh, which is out on nine arches peter thank you very much for coming in thank you rg real pleasure this is a cart poem after i have parked below the spray paint caked into the granite grooves of the frederick douglas middle school sign where men-sized children loiter like shadows draped in outsized denim jerseys braids and boots that mean i am no longer young after I have made my way to the New Orleans Paris jail down the block where the black prison guard wears the same weariness my prison guard father wears buzzes me in. I follow his pistol and shield along each corridor trying not to look at the black men boxed and bunked around me until I reach the tiny classroom where two dozen black boys are dressed in jumpsuits, orange as the carp I saw in a pond once in Japan. So many fat, snaggletooth fish ganged in and lurching for food that a lightweight tourist could have crossed the water on their backs, so long as he had tiny rice balls or bread to drop into the mouths below his footstep, which I'm thinking is how Jesus must have walked on the lake that day the crackers and crumbs falling from the folds of his robe, and how maybe it was the one fish so hungry it leapt up his sleeve that he later miraculously changed into a narrow loaf of bread, something that could stick to a believer's ribs. And don't get me wrong, I'm a believer too, in the power of food at least, having seen a footbridge of carp packed gill to gill, packed tighter than a room of boy prisoners waiting to talk poetry with a young black poet packed so close they'd have eaten each other if there'd been nothing else to eat. Mm.